This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Politics without the soap opera. With unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew our war for life, liberty, and property like it's never been fought before. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, Thursday, October 20th, to wage that war for you. But first, we must understand where the war is and what needs to be done about it. you got to place the water where the fire is actually raging. We have spent two generations focusing our attention, putting our sweat and toil and money into a movement and a party that has not only been ineffective, but like the Pfizer shots and all the Moderna mRNA shots have been negatively effective. They have helped the other side. They've been an indispensable portion of the entire communist edifice in controlling our lives and in jujitsuing any legitimate opposition into a black hole. How are we going to ensure we don't repeat those same mistakes? No, the revolution is not November 8th. The revolution is the day after. And it's today. It's the three weeks before. It's every day. It's every day that we have the ability to use the levers of power that we supposedly control in parts of the country where supposedly a majority think like us, if only all the people that had the voice, the influence, the following, that claim to be bothered by these issues, as my colleagues roughly do, they talk about the inflation and the tranny stuff and the FBI, if they were really bothered by it, they could put a stop to it tomorrow. It's funny, today is actually the day, I was the date, October 20th, 1774, that the Continental Congress approved the Continental Association, which was their immediate response to the intolerable acts of Great Britain. They basically declared an embargo on all trade with Great Britain. They identified where the fire was coming from, and they put the water right there. We're not going to put up with the tyranny. That's how it used to be. When group A attacks group B, B would immediately respond. You wouldn't just sit there and take it. But now we have this controlled opposition where one side could go on and on and on on deleterious, harmful policies that are unpopular. And nothing happens to them. Because the opposition won't even point it out. As we're talking today, the CDC committee is meeting to codify the, va- the COVID shots as part of the childhood vaccine schedule when 30% in a study of, of male adolescents experience heart inflammation from the shots as a Thailand study we talked about in August. I mean, I could point you in the direction of a million different data points, but none of them are ever promoted by the GOP or the mainstream conservative talkers. And it's done by design. 
this issue, every issue that matters. And I'm here to tell you it's been that way for a long time. We have settled on the lesser of two evils. But it was stupid because they're not lesser. I'm going to show you they're not lesser. They're actually indispensable in promoting it. If you don't have a conservative movement now, the sky is the limit to what could happen. If tomorrow everyone with a voice would focus on what matters in the way that matters, the issues that matter, the strategies that matter, their entire house of cards would collapse. But they know that they have a stable, known, dedicated opposition that will never hurt them where it matters and will instead play this role of a fake opposition that evinces the image of the, you know, they're fighting, they're fielding candidates, and they even win elections. But the other side wins the policies. And nowhere is this more evident than in Great Britain, obviously, the news today that Truss resigns after 44 days. She was a leftist. I'd be like, well, now the Tories finally learned their lesson, right? I mean, you had Theresa May and Johnson and this. I mean, literally no difference in the World Economic Forum. Well, the next guy that's likely in line, this guy Rishi Sunak, he once said recently, the challenge of climate change is clear and is urgent. We need to ensure positive and fair transition to net zero. (laughs) So there is your, um, your British opposition. Now, in America, it's not really any different other than that the people in general are more conservative, so they have to be a little bit more subtle about it. And I'm going to explain how they're going to be subtle about it and what they're going to do after November 8th and really after they take office in January if we don't change the game. But basically, donate now to the Republican Party so we can conserve the left's ideas from five minutes ago. The only thing conservatism has done since Reagan and, you know, his revolution, the dissolution of his revolution was sown with the appointment of George H.W. Bush as VP and everything really flows down from there. But we have not had a legitimate opposition since then. Conservatism has been conserving every bad idea of the left. We are revolutionaries right now, or we need to be. We're not conservative. I'm going to change the name of this show. It's a meaningless term. We don't have a family, a military, institutions to preserve. They've not only been destroyed, but they actually haven't been destroyed. They've been taken over and compromised. Like, like there's one thing you could be fighting a war and the enemy destroys your, your weaponry. That's one level. But then the enemy could capture your weaponry. Well, now, if I were like, man, I need to preserve those weapons. No, you got to destroy them. Otherwise, they'll be used against you. You know how much money we spend on the surveillance state for the military to spy on us? The FBI? Oh, back the blue, back the military. Maybe when we reconstitute a new country. But as of now, we need a national divorce. We're like the pilgrims. We need to seek something new. And, and when we quote this or reference this innuendo from the 1770s, just recognize that the degree of tyranny that we were facing was nothing compared to what we face today. There was no transhumanism. Controlling our bodies, our mouths, 
our minds. There's a couple of tax collectors here and there. But what happened was you had a legitimate side. They'd be like, wait, the British did what? What the heck? We're responding right away. And they even embellished it and exaggerated it and often provoked it with the Boston Massacre, which wasn't really much of a massacre. They provoked it. In that case, even John Adams defended uh, the British soldiers because he thought they were wrongly accused. But the point is, broadly speaking, they were right in their broad mission that they didn't have complete sovereignty and they were gradually assuming control over them and they needed a place on Earth where we could have a model for freedom. And that's why America was founded. But it was founded while we still were able to fight for freedom. Now there is nothing about our lives, body, mind, and soul they don't control, surveil, monitor. The, The depth of depravity that they force upon us. The injustice with violent criminals running loose and innocent people being roped up in law enforcement operations. In my worst nightmares, I could have never envisioned getting to this place this quickly in my lifetime. And yet it turns out that all along, the Republican Party was a fraud. And I don't just mean like, okay, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins. I mean the mainstream leadership conservative Republicans were always like that. I'm hearing in Utah now, there's a big chance that Mike Lee might lose to McMuffin, this leftist. And Mitt Romney is backing him privately. Mitt Romney is working to get out his fellow Republican who supported him at his time of need. Trump supported Romney. And this is what you get in return. This is a teachable moment, by the way. People don't understand. Daniel, I I, I understand the problem with these rhinos, but in a general election, you always have to vote for them. First of all, again, as I said, there's a third option. You could run an independent candidate a spirited candidate and actually try to at least win. But even that's a different discussion. Even without that, people need to understand the concept of negative efficacy. Democrats, almost every last thing they've done in history that was transformational had bipartisan support or was built off of bipartisan support. Obamacare itself was passed only on strictly Democrat party lines. It was pretty rare that it, you know, in history actually, but it was built off Republicans really agreeing to 80% of the premise of it until then. But be it as it may, they work to rot you out from within. That's why we can't enjoy a revolutionary moment like we did in the 1770s. We're a hundred light years beyond the point of a need for revolution. This is nothing like what we faced in in the 1770s. I'd take that any day. But now they've rotted us out from within that there is no legitimate opposition. And Mitt Romney is working there to defeat Mike Lee. And by the way, it's not like Mike Lee is Marjorie Taylor Greene or Thomas Massey or something. He's obsessed with endless visas, criminal justice deform, you know, usually has a conservative voting record on the because most things aren't voted upon, so he votes against the budget bills because there's too much spending. But on the fundamentals of our time, you rarely hear him siding with us 
or if he does, he's not very vocal or effective about it. So I'm just saying, it's not even like he's going to change the game. I mean, anyone who thinks Mike Lee is going to change the country, you're, you're insane. But what I'm saying is, he is too much for Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was the standard bearer for Republicans. He was the presidential nominee. That's what it turns out. All these Republicans for years, they're not just like, okay, not as strong or not as committed. They literally, at the time when the other side is the most radical and destructive ever, they support them. And they think we're the problem. They're not like pounding the lectern over the millions of people dying from the COVID shots and the remdesivir and the genocide and the blocking of treatment and the gain of function that's still going on today. Not a word about how we're fleeced with Ukraine and the energy crisis, the grooming, the legal immigration, the crime, the FBI, the lack of basic freedoms, the, the reverting reverting back to, to pre-enlightenment times. No, they're bothered by our response to it. Mike freaking Pence Again, this is not like Lisa Murkowski or something. This was Trump's vice president. And he was regarded as a you know, big conservative back in the day. That's what I'm saying. It's not just like the fringe left goalpost of the Republican Party. Mike Pence was like the conservative alternative to John Boehner back in the previous decade. And yet he's out there. Former VP Mike Pence on Wednesday warned against the growing populist tide in the Republican Party as he admonished Putin apologists unwilling to stand up to the Russian leader over the assault on Ukraine. This is where his heart bleeds. He gave this as a speech at the Heritage Foundation, which sucks up hundreds of millions of dollars of right-leaning money to be a controlled opposition. Our movement cannot forsake the foundational commitment that we have to security or limited government to liberty and life. Liberty and life. This man catalyzed the greatest assault on liberty and life with the Fauci Burks um, COVID commission ever in the history of the country. Now, I'm not worried about henceforth Mike Pence really gaining traction with anything and having any much of a future. But the point is... Whoever does is reflected in those values. Mitch McConnell and um, Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, Elise Stefanik, John Thune. I'm just going through the top two, three members of the House and Senate Republican conferences. They reflect that. Every governor except for DeSantis reflects that. They all, every Republican governor, if you ask them what's the most pressing thing, Again, you could say, well, the FBI is rounding up literally political opponents. You have you know, two, two million criminal aliens flooding the border you know, every six months. You got the crime. You got people dropping dead from the COVID shots. And they have more that they're approving. And they're going to put on kids more and more. Biomedical fascism, surveillance, transhumanism. And they're like, Ukraine. And mind you, Ukraine is a big issue in the other direction. That basically served as the impetus for this energy crisis that they purposely created. So his biggest concern is that we're not fighting Putin enough. 
He didn't mention China. Right? Putin's the biggest threat. That's what a controlled opposition is. But what I'm trying to tell you is it's not like Susan Collins. This guy was considered a top conservative for many years. Trump's VP. The entire party is a fraud. We could end this tomorrow if my colleagues would recognize this, but they refuse. And where are we headed? Where are we headed with this? Washington Times. House GOP preps bills for the first 100 days if Republicans capture majority. So I warned you this is going to be the name of the game. See, in Europe, they're just going to say net zero. The Tories. They could just literally sound like the left. In America, where the people expect a little bit more, what they're going to do is this. They're going to pass standalone bills out of the House. When I say standalone, meaning that they won't attach them to must-pass budget bills, debt ceilings, and say we're not going to pass the final provision of that must-pass bill unless it has our priorities in it and bans your priorities. They're going to pass these standalone feel-good bills that broadly indulge our talking points. Family values, parent bill of rights, and, and, you know, they'll kind of be milquetoast. Let me be charitable and say that there's going to be nothing bad about them. They might even be good, okay, but they're not going to go anywhere in the Senate. Biden's not going to sign it. The reason you would pass standalone bills is, is twofold. It, it's for messaging to, number one, build the case for putting it in the budget, and number two, signaling to the Republican governors where they do have their respective House, Senate, and governors to sign the bills. They have the trifecta Republican control. That's where you would enact all this stuff, at least in the red states, so you're fine. You know, like, for example, it was just announced today, uh, DeSantis ordered that, um, you know, all bathrooms in public schools be segregated by biological sex, a.k.a. what we've been doing since the dawn of times. Why isn't every state doing that? And in fact, Governor Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia blatantly said on CNN last week that he was fine with, with the tranny bathroom stuff. He just was against the female sports. That's not fair, messing up female sports. But anyway, this is what they're going to do. See, what you would normally do is your tier one legislation you would put in the budget bill and you have the states do. And the tier two, kind of the long-term broad things you do is messaging standalone bills. What the Republicans are going to do is the tier one, they won't even indulge. They won't even indulge it, not just in the budget bill, they won't even indulge it as a standalone bill. So for example, getting rid of vaccine immunity. Liability immunity. They won't even touch that as a standalone, much less put it in a budget. What they'll touch standalone is, yeah, these broad bills. House Republican conference chairs is um, Washington Times. Elise Stefanik says legislation on energy production, gun rights, and parents' rights will, will are being drafted. Like, really? I mean... Notice the issues I mentioned. I mean, energy is, is extremely important, but the point is most of this stuff is not a matter of passing good bills. It's that the bureaucracies are doing bad things and you need to have riders and budget bills prohibiting them and having civil and criminal um, causes of action in the courts as leverage against them. 
I'm saying with the energy, it's more like what the EPA and all these agencies are doing. I mean, pass new legislation, gun rights. It always gets back to guns. I mean, they talk about reciprocity. But in general, I mean, we have gun rights. It's like the only right we have, but the FBI will still arrest us. So what, what good does that do? It always gets back to the same issues. Probably get to abortion too. But gun right and, and by the way, Republicans had the freaking trifecta. And if you remember, we had Thomas Massey on at the time. I was the only one who I warned about this and it happened. Not only did they not pass reciprocity, but they used the House reciprocity bill to pass a fixed Nix bill, uh, which was a gun control bill with the trifecta. And Trump signed it into uh, into uh, law. And they then in the Senate jettisoned away the reciprocity part. And now they're telling us with just control of the House, they're going to pass reciprocity? Yeah, right. The GOP legislation rooted in the conference's commitment to America agenda revealed last month is aimed at American energy independence as gas prices continue to dog the public. When it comes to energy independence, we have a number of bills to unleash energy and energy production, she said. Again, that's a joke. It's not about unleashing energy production. It's about supporting the global warming agenda, which Republicans at the end of the day do support. They do support it. So, like I've said, you can't have fossil fuel or what I call natural energy and green energy side by side. In other words... More than passing a new bill, you need to defund. Notice they're not promising. They're not even promising. Last time they said repeal and replace. Actually, first it was repeal. It wasn't replace. Repeal Obamacare. What was the biggest legislative item? The so-called Inflation Reduction Act, whatever, which was the hundreds of billions in green energy mandates and subsidies. They're not even promising to repeal that. I mean, I'm not even seeing. Maybe they'll have a standalone bill. Just say, oh, we pass out of the House, and then they know it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate, but they're certainly not going to put it in the budget. Defund that. I'm not seeing that promise there. So this is what Republicans do. So if you fund a transition into green energy, it's meaningless to say, oh, uh, I'll unleash our energy. It's just pathetic. You know, um, a listener to this show, Matt, sent me an email recently that I guess he's from Iowa, and he sent uh, a letter to Grassley's office saying, like, why do you vote for this Kigali Amendment? If you remember, that was this international treaty that's basically going to get rid of um, hydrofluorocarbons in coolants and refrigerators, air conditionings, make them less of, you know, workable and more expensive under the guise of global warming that all oh, it had greenhouse gases and McConnell and Grassley and all the major Republicans voted for it even with Democrats in the majority when Republicans are in the minority they're more righteous they still supported this so Grassley's office emailed back thank you for taking the time to contact me I appreciate you sharing your opposition to the Kigali Amendment, to the Montreal Protocol. With respect to HFCs, more generally hydrofluorocarbons, the EPA recognizes that HFCs are potent greenhouse gases. In response, the federal government has enacted laws to reduce the harm 
Like, what? And then he touts, during my tenure in the Senate, I have supported the Clean Air Act to continue efforts to make our nation's air clean and safe to breathe. What, what are you talking about? So they agree to the premise of everything, but just take a rough talking point on that broader issue. Oh, we support energy independence. Well, what does that mean? But you also support the main things that's killing it. And it's creating this artificial corporatist monopoly, this net zero agenda. In Europe, they'll boldly use the term net zero even among the Tories. In America, usually Republicans stay away from that term, but they support it. And then they have like a bill like the Advanced Nuclear Deployment Act from Richard Hudson, a hustler from North Carolina. I opposed him in his primary years ago to facilitate licensing renewals by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And we all agree with that. But again, they're not going to put that in the budget. I've talked about nuclear. It would be nice to get more online. We all agree on that broadly. But again, they support the other thing. This is all a distraction. Concealed carry, they talk about. Really? And I'm just looking here. Then they have this representative, Julia Letlow's Parental Bill of Rights. Letlow, if you remember, is a a COVID fascist. Big pimper of the um, vaccines from a conservative district in Louisiana. She has a parental bill of rights. Review their school's curriculum. Lawfully allow allow parents to review the curriculum. Allow them to lawfully engage in school board and educators. See a school's budget and spending. Protect your child's privacy. Keep their child safe and be updated on any violent activity. Like, it's a bunch of fluff. Like, what? What about banning all transgender funding and mandates and grooming in the federal budget? I mean, isn't that obvious? I thought we all agreed on that. I mean, we don't, but I thought we did. Instead of this fluff, like, just this broad... That's what I'm saying. They're not even promising anything exciting. And even that stuff will just be standalone legislation. No, No one's... Asking the question, what will occur the day after November 8th? Or a few weeks later. Well, I'll tell you what will occur. The GOP will crush us in the Senate during the lame duck session. And they'll be like, well, there's nothing we can do. The Democrats still have control, even though Republicans have enough seats to filibuster in the Senate. And they'll come in in next year, and there'll be constant standalone bills like this. And the Democrats will fight over it. No, no, we don't want to do this. And it will appear as if they're fighting for parental rights. Be a whole whole bunch of back and forth. Own the libs. The Democrats are hypocrites. Hold some hearings. And again, even the hearings will be very select on what sort of information they're going to find. Never is there an effort, will there be an effort, to investigate vaccine injury, immunity, the entire industry, what the shots that they already have, the shots coming down the pipeline, compensation for injury, Nothing. Do you know you know the Biden administration, they literally announced a new pandemic plan that basically to have anytime there's a pandemic, a 130-day lockdown, then vaccines within four months with no trials and support of gain of function forever. They're not even shying away from it. They're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do gain of function. No problem. Like what? 
Again, you can only get away with that if the other side allows you to get away with that. What they're doing is so destructive, indefensible, illogical, unpopular, that if you had an entire united movement and party in one voice in unison speaking out against it, forget it. They'd get crushed in a second. But they know they can do it without being called on the carpet. That's what's so scary. That is what is so scary from our vantage point. I don't know, folks. And, and speaking of the vaccines, so obviously we have the big news today. Again, they're meeting right now. I don't really know what's going on. I haven't been watching it. I can't stomach it. But yesterday they voted to basically make it part of the child vaccine program where the government funds, funds it billions of dollars for those who can't afford it, which I don't understand because they're giving it for free anyway, but maybe it's when the funding stops. And then today, they're supposedly going to add it to the official immunization schedule. And more than this being about signaling to states to start mandating it for school, which a lot of blue states will do, it's really about absolving them of liability. See, right now, they're absolved under the PREP Act as long as there's a declared emergency. But if someday they finally get rid of it, which Republicans aren't even promising to reform those emergency powers or even ask to terminate this one, they extended it for another 90 days even after Biden himself said it's over and Republicans never called him out for it because they agree with it. But after the PREP Act, theoretically, they could be on the hook for liability. So by adding it to the child immunization schedule, it's covered under the NCVIA, which was the 86 Act that absolves them of liability, all the ones on the children's immunization schedule. How is it that we can go through an election cycle and there is nobody, I can't even find a single federal candidate promising to repeal it. I mean, I know Marjorie Taylor Greene has a, is going to introduce a bill to do that. How is that not the rallying cry? Do you know how bad it is? They are now openly saying, yeah, babies are dying. We have all these uh, reproductive health issues. But you know what? We are not going to study the vaccination status of parents because we don't want to find out. Because then, if it winds up killing babies, well, people won't want to get the shots. They're literally saying that. Typically, you're like, oh my gosh, we want to vet this out because we want to make sure if it could potentially cause death or harm that we get the word out so people don't take it anymore and we pull it from the market. Now they're like, no, we can't study it because it it might cause harm and then people won't want to get it. Don't believe me? This is from James Lyons Weiler, um, but it's straight up in the, uh, uh, the Scotland Herald. So I've been reporting this ongoing saga, if you remember, last year, I believe it was the month of September, the um, suddenly the the rate of neonatal deaths, right, uh, infant mortality in Scotland doubled from two in a thousand to four point six in a thousand, the highest level seen since the nineteen eighties. And it was right around the time where you would expect it to be from the vaccines. And you know they. They didn't really study. They, they said it's not COVID, but they never said what it is. And they just moved on. Then again, in March, it breached that kind of upper bounds that triggers a, an investigation. And this time, 
everyone was like, well, he said it's not COVID. It's got to be the shot. So he felt the pressure. So Scottish Herald comes out with an article, COVID Scotland, vaccines ruled out in neonatal death spike. So you expect, oh, they must have studied it and they found it didn't cause that. Well, here's the quote. Public Health Scotland said its consultants had given careful consideration to the potential benefits and harms of carrying out such an analysis as part of its probe into the tragic deaths of 39 infants, but concluded against doing so, meaning checking the vaccination status of parents, because it was not possible to identify a scenario. Look at that word soup. It was not possible to identify a scenario that would have resulted in a change to public health policy or practice, given that vaccination policy was already appropriately informed by good quality population level evidence and safety data. So what they're saying is, shut up. We already established that these vaccines are safe and effective. We're doing them. We're not changing them. <laughs> they're, they're saying it. They're safe and effective. Well, what do you mean? You're just saying you don't want to study that they might kill babies. Yeah, but they're safe and effective. Well, but but wouldn't you want to change policy and, um, you know, if they kill babies, you're not going to exactly want to give it to people, especially pregnant women or those that are seeking to get pregnant. No. These shots will be here no matter what. That's a given. Okay? So you could either scare people about this information, or you could not know about it. So we're going to opt to not know about it. I can't believe this is this is written. This is not some conspiracy. This is the main, this is the New York Times of Scotland writing it straight from the public health of Scotland. Let me go on. In a statement... Public Health Scotland added that there was also a risk that identifying the vaccination status of the mothers, even at an aggregate level, meaning it's not like you're saying Jane Thompson got the vaccine and had her kid die. No, they're not naming names. It's just, you know, statistics. Okay, X number, you know, all the babies that experienced neonatal above the baseline rate were vaccinated. It, by doing that, it would result in harm to those individuals and others close to them through actual or perceived judgment of the effects of their personal vaccination decision. So they literally felt that people deserve to die, that they deserve to get not get kidney transplants, they deserve to have their lives destroyed, school, college, medical school, work, for not getting the shots. But when we have a catastrophe of, of infant mortality rates being rolled back 40 years when they went down every successive year, and we need to get to the bottom of this. We can't even in the aggregate, unnamed, find those statistics because we don't want those people to feel bad. I mean, I, I can't believe this is real. This is not like, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not even in contention anymore. They're admitting it causes these problems. You can't not admit it. We have two years worth of data on this. And Republicans will not call them out. No right-leaning party anywhere will. Furthermore, the outcomes of such analysis, while being uninformative for public health decision making, had the potential to be used to harm vaccine confidence at this critical time. It's like saying, okay, we have a, we have a, I don't know, some sort of health therapeutic out that we think it's killing 90% of people who take it. I'm like, well, what the hell? We're not going to change our decisions based on it, right? So you're going to get it either way. So all it's going to do is convince you not to get it and harm your confidence. Like, but we, but don't we need to know that it's killing people? I, I mean, this is, 
This is unreal. I don't even know what to say. The decision came to light after the Herald on Sunday obtained internal emails and reports under Freedom of Information tracking the PHS response with one email dated November 24th stating, we do not have any plans to examine maternal vaccination status as there is no public health reason to do so. <laughs> That's awesome. There's no, and they're right. They're not wrong in that sense. There's no purpose in them studying it in that sense because they they will never find it. Like, let's say they find out, I'm just saying, 100% of people who got the shots will get cancer. They won't terminate the shots or even the mandates. They'll keep it going. I mean, what I'm telling you is I'm reading their own words. This is not your 1970s, 1990s era of politics. This is the Fourth Reich. This is straight-up genocide. Then um, Lineswiler points out a similar thing in England. The NHS is logging baby deaths as stillbirths to avoid scrutiny. By denying them personhood, NHS England and the physicians involved in the neonatal units are exacting severely torturous and unforgivable harm on the parents of live-born infants, all to prevent coroners from determining the cause of death. So in other words... You have babies dying because they're probably born with spike in their hearts and all over the body. So let's say they die a week later, a month later, a few days later, whatever, and they mark them as stillbirths. So, you know, stillbirths no one cares about, and they're not going to do an autopsy on it. I mean, this is the fourth freaking Reich, yet this issue doesn't even register on 99% of Republicans and elected and unelected famous conservative figures. It's not even an issue. Again, why are we in this business? Why did I not pursue a normal career and do politics and broadcast, media, public policy my entire career? Because I wanted to make a difference on what mattered, right? I cannot think of an issue that is more pro-life than this. It literally is the death rate and the birth rate. It is a holocaust beyond belief. And not only is it not being turned back, it's being expanded. And there is no opposition. There's no promise of an opposition. This is truly, truly shocking. I don't even know how we can move on from here. And the question is how each person involved in this decision, how they're not held accountable. And, and with regard to England's decision on the stillbirths, uh, Lineswiler notes, I have information that I'm not at liberty to disclose that suggests that there will be an explosion of reports in the U.S. and elsewhere of deaths in adults and children being recoded as COVID-19 in 2020 before the vaccine and vaccine-related deaths in adults and children being coded as condition unrelated to the patient. We saw that um, as ethical skeptic pointed out with the cancer deaths being coded um, as COVID deaths. And he notes, rightfully so, if you lost a loved one to COVID-19 or to unexpected deaths following vaccination, request the medical records and then call Blue Cross Blue Shields for the records they have. Any discrepancies such as multiple separate diagnoses of COVID-19 added to a patient's record when the patient only had one diagnosis or the incorrect cause of death or any significant detail related to the cause of death that does not mesh with your personal experience or what the doctors told you should be reported as insurance fraud. I can't believe this. And neither should you.
But again, what are Republicans doing about it? What's the plan? What's the plan among the conservative movement? I would meet with, you know, 50 names from the conservative movement. Let's get together at a conference. Let's pray together. And let's strategize with the understanding that what we're doing and what we have been doing is not working. And, and again, the solution is very easy. If you, It's hard with me being the only one. But if you had a real movement, it's very easy because part of it is it's almost like a rope-a-dope. The Democrats have extended themselves so deep into territory that they can't naturally hold without a controlled opposition holding it for them that if you actually got rid of the controlled opposition, you could decimate these people. And this gets back to what we started with with Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is accomplishing for the left what they can never accomplish on their own. And I guarantee you Mehmet Oz will be the same way. Mark my words, you'll regret the day you were like, look, I'll, I, we can't have Fetterman, I'll hold my nose. It doesn't matter. We should have focused on the governors. Instead, almost every one of them, except for Mastriano and Kerry Lake, jerks won. All these red states that no one even talks about throughout the South and Great Plains and Upper Midwest, Rocky Mountain states, leftist, leftist Republicans, either running for open seats or second terms, unchallenged. They literally support the COVID genocide. It's not like, oops, I guess we kind of stepped in it, we shouldn't have promoted it. No, to this day, they see no problems with the shots. Some, some of them might haphazardly say, ah, don't mandate it, but then they don't do anything to fight the mandates. But they have no problem with the shots. Open, open genocide. And by the way, I want to share a very fascinating story with you guys that I'm sure most of you have not seen this. Um, to juxtapose just what the FDA typically does and the scrutiny that they'll do and the amount of money companies have to spend on failed drugs because they don't get approved when it's not a religious article. It's not part of the spirit of the age, part of the modern-day biomedical bail. It's just, you know, a regular therapeutic that doesn't have politics around it. So you might think, wow, you know, the FDA is just in an era where they just want, you know, I don't know, all sorts of uh, all sorts of products and um, therapeutics rushed to the market. No, the amazing thing is how these guys are able to turn on and off the spigot as needed. I marvel at how they're able to do that. That they could turn it off as needed. That when it's actually another drug that doesn't matter so much to their their system, they will actually fight it. It's from Congressional Quarterly. A Food and Drug Administration Advisory Committee in a rare move on Wednesday voted 14 to 1 to pull the only available drug aimed at lowering the risk of premature births from the market, citing a lack of evidence that the medication shows any benefit. The Obstetrics, Reproductive, and Urologic Drugs Advisory Committee's recommendation is non-binding, but they note that the FDA usually follows it. Um, this is talking about, where is it? The drug maker's attempts to find benefit in the data ultimately failed to persuade the committee. Members voting against the drug included Annie Ellis, a patient 
representative who emotionally recounted her own experiences with risk of preterm birth. Sometimes when I see a lot of mathematical gymnastics being used to cut things in different ways and to try to squeeze out a subset that has benefits, I have concerns. And I worry about this, and I think that if the it's taken off the market, my concern is that compounding will will increase. And basically, this is a drug that I have no idea how it works, how it could prevent premature birth, but it's called um, Makina, M-A-K-E-N-A, if you want to look it up. And basically, they spent 10 years on trials and $700 million. Now, I'm not trying to advocate for the drug. I don't know anything about it. I haven't had time to look into it. You can if you want. I don't have any dog in the fight. But my point is, it was studied for 10 years worth of trials. They're at least not publicly naming that there's any pharmacovigilance problems with it. It's just that they're claiming the data doesn't really show any benefit. Yet we have a drug, a therapeutic, that has killed millions, maimed tens of millions, over 14,000 categories of ailments, including the most serious ones in your organs. Negative efficacy. You don't need a study to debate data. Well, you know, data you could debate in any way, but here you see it in plain sight. It literally, the more you inject, the more you infect. I mean, nobody could deny that. Real world experience. And they'll shove it on pregnant women, on kids, endless doses, mandate it, destroy lives over it. And yet here, they have no problem pulling the drug. See, most of my life, I was actually on the other side of this. I actually thought we regulated it too much. And it's not that I've really changed. I believe in a dual track. If the government is merely approving but not endorsing something and funding it and marketing and partnering and certainly pressuring and um, mandating it, all right, sink or swim. Let the market decide. If, if doctors feel it's safe and effective, they want to use it for some women. And they even tried to beg. The company begged the FDA and said, look, could we at least just market it to women that have a high propensity for you know complications of, of uh, you know premature birth? Nope, they're like, nope, screw it. And yet they will label, they will label this COVID drug, gene therapy, like they do any other sterilizing vaccine so they could fraudulently market it and they don't get in trouble. You know, Pfizer, you know, they they deny it, but for months upon months, they marketed it as stopping transmission. And they still do. They, you see, they'll fact check you and say, hey, you can't say that they lied. They never said it stopped transmission. But then they'll say, to this day, you better get the shot to say protect grandma. To this day, they're still saying it. They don't get hit up by the Federal Trade Commission for um, false advertising. So... I just wanted you guys to understand how easily they could turn on and off that faucet. It's amazing. Amazing how quickly they could go from one to another, one to another.
This one we're going to approve with nothing. This one after 10 years of data and no real proven harms, we're going to pull from the market. I'm forgetting who the maker of that drug is and how much clout they have and don't have, but it just is interesting how they could turn on and off that spigot as needed. As needed. And the reason they can do that is because there is quite literally zero opposition to anything they're doing. And what's crazy is that Republicans act as if COVID's over. And it's not just COVID. It's the entire biomedical terrorist edifice that they created. Not only is it not over with, they're building off of this foundation. It's over with in the sense that they built the foundation. Like you build a foundation of a house, well, it's over with. Meaning now you start building up the floors. So with that, I want to get to our closing segment here on our transhumanism update. We do this every once in a while, go through some of them. There's really a lot of stories out. We'll just go through a few. This was from a recent conference, a Mayo Clinic rep. Her name is Molly Biwer, Biwer, B-I-W-E-R. Take a listen to this clip of what they plan to do on the biomedical front. You know, I, we have, uh, it, it's, a, it's a new venture. It's called Mayo Clinic Platform. And really what it is, is, you know, as we've been talking about prevention or uh, what we're hoping to do is gather the medical records, and it's a very lofty goal, but the medical records of everybody in the world so we can start to become, to predict before diseases and conditions even happen. And we realize that that is the future, that, you know, hopefully uh, being able to have all of these records, it's really going to be able to help our physicians, our scientists, um, and our researchers be able to cure diseases and conditions before they even occur. So folks, they're hoping to gather medical records of every single person so they can predict disease right away. They're not done with this. I don't understand what some of these like phony Fox News listening Republicans think that COVID was some sort of aberration. It just kind of happened by accident and all the stuff that they built off of it was there by accident and now they're done with it. No, it's this surveillance state, a surveillance state that King George could have never envisioned. An invasion of a human being's privacy that our founders never, ever could have imagined when they wrote the Fourth Amendment. But this is happening. And by the way, again, talking about how they could turn on and off that switch, that spigot, as needed. On the one hand, oh my gosh, they're so strict on privacy. If you have a family member that needs to call up about you know, a parent in cognitive decline and you need to make sure they're getting good care, well, no, HIPAA, HIPAA. But on the other hand, the government and their so-called private actors could monitor every bit about you so they could promote their genocidal products on you or promote the apartheid to box you out of society if you don't uh, patronize their favorite products. Truly, truly disgusting. And then, of course, there's the food and fuel. The food and fuel. UK Daily Telegraph reports that the Environment Agency chief, that's like the UK's EPA, Alan Lovell, he wants to ration water to British households 
with compulsory metering. Brits use too much water and need to realize the value of water. And remember, this was the same guy a while back who talked about drinking sewage as the new uh, as the new go-to for drinking. And if you think about it, this is something very scary. A lot of people are talking about growing victory uh, gardens and maybe growing your own food, and certainly a good idea. But water is the most essential thing, and more than anything, we rely on government for that. I don't mean to creep you out, but it's something that is very scary when you understand how these guys are sabotaging every last thing in our lives. And then there's the issue of mRNA in our food. This is from Naked Emperor on the Substack, good Substack to follow. A couple weeks ago, the Deputy Premier Minister for Agriculture of New South Wales in Australia announced that mRNA vaccines for foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease will be fast-tracked. So they're pushing this on animals too. And there'll be a first mRNA vaccine for these diseases. They'll be created by U.S. biotech company Taiba Biotech. He wants people to prepare for potential outbreak. And he wants them to develop it by August 1st of next year. And keep that in mind as we talk about this whole mRNA revolution with human beings, this is for cattle too. And cattle is not just cattle, that's human in the sense of you're going to eat it. This is the food supply. Poisoning our protein so that we have no healthy protein. These guys aren't stupid. They think of everything. They think of everything. And by the way, speaking of um, the food supply, where is this? This is from a Swedish publication Doggins Industry. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation here. I don't know if I could pronounce it. Um, D-A-G-E-N-S Industry and spelled with an I at the end. ICA warns not all food will exist in the future. The most central thing in human life, food, is undergoing a huge transformation right now and thinking about what will be on our plates in 18 years and how it got there is exciting to say the least. Five years ago, this woman, Ica, presented its future First future report was precisely about our food in 2040. Then it was a good push for the organic and sustainable and discussion about alternative proteins. But there was also a lot of focus on time pressure and convenient solutions. One of the most important issues for future food supply is food waste. We still throw away a third of what is bought. Okay, well, that doesn't sound too bad. Then they say in 2040, Swedish products will be even more important. It is about our survival. If the war is a cause today, vulnerability will increase as an effect of the climate and cause disruption in the supply of foods. I also think that the view on food will change, not to take it for granted. And they talk about plant-based foods, of course, um, because they want to move away from protein. And then, of course, they go into the money quote. She believes that alternative proteins such as insects, lab-grown meat, and new technologies such as producing proteins from carbon dioxide and water will be a complement on our plates in 18 years. Oh. And again, I'm going to take this dead serious because there's enough evidence that they're working on this. This is not going away. And then, of course, there's the ultimate transhumanism, which has already happened. And that was COVID lockdowns and the masks. This is from the Citizens News. 
According to a study in Ireland, some of you might have seen this last week, born during the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic were less likely to be able. Babies were less likely to be able to speak before their first birthday compared to other children born before the pandemic. The study, which was published in the journal Archives of Disease in Childhood, also found that children born during lockdown were displaying a worrying list of cognitive impairments. For example, some children were less likely to be able to reach developmental milestones such as waving goodbye and pointing at objects. The researchers observed 309 babies in England um, or Ireland during the lockdown in those critical lockdown months in early 2020. They were tested for 10 behavioral milestones at their first birthday, and they had a control group of 2,000 babies born before then. And they found that lockdown babies were at least 14% less likely to have said their first word, 9% less likely to have started pointing, 6% less likely to wave goodbye. And folks, this is what they wanted. See, there's one policy above all else that is the palladium of all their public policy. And that is idiocy. They need human beings to be bungling fools to go along with their stupidity, which, by the way, includes going along with the controlled opposition. So all these clever Republicans who think they're so smart and they figure out, figured out the left, they're actually being played by them more than anyone. The controlled opposition. They need us to be that way. And you really wonder, all these therapeutics they've been given, that America has been doped up on drugs, both the illicit drugs and then the antidepressants, and now all these vaccines, 54 shots per kid, and they're increasing them every year. And now they're going to codify and enshrine the most harmful of all, and crickets from the phony right. But the good news is, see, the bad news is what they're doing is so indefensible and so destructive and so unconscionable that we're all going to die if we don't stop it. The good news is it's so unconscionable, so indefensible, so insane that if you actually had a movement pointing it out and stopping it and finding the strategies and leverage points to confront it, their house of cards could fall in three seconds. Which one are we going to pick? Well, I know where I'm going to head. I'm going to focus on post-November 8th, what we can do in the state legislatures, raising awareness of the issues, raising awareness of the leverage points that Republicans can use but aren't using. What we need to do is create a convert-or-die moment where either they're forced to convert to our cause or they're outed quicker before they could do harm but ultimately, we need to think much bigger. We are the new pilgrims. Where are we going to head? That's what I challenge you to think about, to ponder over the next day or week. Um, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. At C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram is where you can find me during the day. Folks, I really appreciate you guys listening, but I need you to send this show to everyone you know. This is different from every other so-called conservative talker. Um, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes before they start censorship. Uh, right now, they haven't censored iTunes, so we still are uh, performing well there, but we need to get better ahead of the controlled opposition. So it always helps to leave a comment with your five-star rating if you could register there. And folks, 
knowledge and truth are power. That's all we have. Results are for God. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.